0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Podcast Series. This is Alator Shujan, your host and a Chief Medical Resident at the University of Connecticut Internal Medicine Residency. A quick disclaimer before we begin. All opinions and views expressed on our podcast are entirely the responsibility of the authors and do not represent the opinions of anyone else in the Yukon Department of Medicine. The content presented is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as a medical advice. And we're back with Dr. Deep Pai Chu, and this is our episode three of Renal Series. And in this episode, we're hoping to cover non anion gap metabolic acidosis because this topic is usually not well known by the residents.
1: Thank you, Ola, for having me back again. So, when you're talking about acidosis, I know high anion gap acidosis gets a lot of love. We talk about all the different mnemonics, whether it be gold mark, mud piles, but no one ever really talks much about what's going on with non gap metabolic acidosis. And I think this is probably one that we see probably more often than, than the hagmas. And so I think let's, it, it's worth taking a quick dive to make sure we all understand what it means when someone has a non gap acidosis, or in other words, a hyperclimic metabolic acidosis. If you take a step back, your body and your kidneys are designed to balance charges, meaning that every positive charge should have a negative charge associated with it. And when that goes off balance, it's the job of the kidneys and the lungs to basically adjust the acid-base status, the amount of hydrogen, positive charge, bicarb, negative charge, hanging around to sort of re-equilibrate those charges. So if you think of your blood, the primary positive charge in the blood is sodium, and the primary negative charge is threefold. You have chloride, you have bicarb, and you have all these other unmeasured anions, which... If you think of that difference between the sodium and the two aforementioned negative charges, what that anion is left behind is your anion gap, right? So that's your albumin, that's your sulfates, that's your phosphorus, those are all your other sort of unmeasured anions. So the total sum of all those anions should equal out to the total sum of all your positive charge, your cations. So now if you think of someone who, let's say, comes in with a lactic acidosis, as your anion gap increases, your body compensates. In order to maintain the same amount of negative charge as your sodium, it has to decrease the amount of chloride and bicarb. As your anion gap expands, chloride and bicarb decrease. Hence, an acidosis that happens with an anion gap, you end up getting a widened gap and less bicarb, hence your acidosis. Now, if you think about it the other way around, what about a patient who has lost bicarb for example someone who comes in with diarrhea so if someone comes in with profuse diarrhea they're losing a ton of bicarb through their stool the amount of sodium is fixed right The serum sodium is fixed when you lose a ton of bicarb in order to maintain that same amount of positive charge the same amount of charge as the positive charge do you think it's easier for you to increase the amount of chloride or to increase the amount of your anion gap Thinking that your anion gap is albumin, phosphorus, and sulfates, most of you will appropriately say it's much easier for you to increase the amount of chloride. That is the basis of this concept of hyperchloremic metabolic acidosis. Hyperchloremic metabolic acidosis essentially is a non-anion gap acidosis, meaning your anion gap didn't change. You developed an acidosis, so your bicarb dropped. And in compensation for that, your kidney increased its ability to reabsorb chloride. So your chloride increased, your bicarb decreased, and that happened in an attempt to maintain the charge balance between your positive charges, your sodium, and your negative charges, your chloride, bicarb, and anion. So anytime you see a patient who comes in with a non-anion gap metabolic acidosis, you check their, they're coming in with a bicarb of 12, you check their anion gap, their anion gap is 10, so it's normal, but they have this acidosis, your first question should be, did they lose that bicarb first? And in compensation for that, their kidneys decreased the amount of chloride. Or did they gain chloride first? And in compensation for that, the kidneys started reabsorbing less bicarb. So that second scenario is actually probably a lot more common. So if you think about it, when do we give patients a ton of chloride? Every single time we give them a bullet of saline. They're getting a ton of chloride, super physiological amounts of chloride. So if you give someone three liters of normal saline, you just gave them a ton of chloride, that chloride has a negative charge. That negative charge has to be reduced in order for you to maintain charge neutrality with the positive charges in your blood. And so again, your kidney have two options, or your body, I should say, has two options. Either you shrink the size of the anion gap, which is not going to happen very quickly, or you shrink the amount of bicarb. So anytime you see a patient with a non-anion gap acidosis, the only question you should be asking yourself, what came first? Did they lose bicarb first, in which case you give them bicarb back? So if they're having diarrhea, you give them bicarb back. Or did they gain chloride first, in which case you try to get rid of that chloride? So if if a patient has been volume resuscitated, now they're volume overloaded. You can give them something like a diuretic. Otherwise, you wait to have that chloride sort of urinated out. So unlike metabolic acidosis with an anion gap, your HAGMAs, where you have to go down this long pathway of different things that can be contributing, in a non gap metabolic acidosis, two things. Did you gain chloride first? Did you lose bicarb first? And whatever happened first, you do the opposite to fix it.
0: Wow, time truly flies when you talk about nephrology. But if I'm being serious, it will be really strange not to have Deep around to ask him all the nephrology questions. But we we'll wish him all the best as he starts his new job in Massachusetts, and we're sure he's going to do great things. And for the rest of you guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned some nephrology and we will see you in our next series.